This is Shelby Hansen, and you're listening to episode 35, Living Into Your Purpose with CKD. Welcome to the Creating Your Beautiful Life podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Hansen. I'm an invisible illness warrior, kidney transplant recipient, mom to four, and life coach for people who have gone through incredible health challenges. On this podcast, I teach you how to move forward from difficulty and disappointment into joy and abundance as you take charge of creating your own beautiful life. Hey everyone, I have such a special treat for you. For the next few weeks, I'm going to be sharing with you a friend of mine that I met on Instagram. Her handle is Tailoring Gratitude. If you go to my Instagram at Shelby Creates a Beautiful Life, you can find her as one of my followers. I also have a post with her um, Instagram information on it, so go check that out. And her first name is Quinn, and we are doing a series about thriving with CKD. So this very first episode was a an Instagram live, and the next few uh, the next few episodes are going to be a part of our series. And today's episode is about living with purpose and finding your purpose with CKD. So I think this is a very awesome conversation to be having with another kidney transplant recipient. Quinn is also a patient advocate for people with kidney disease, and I think that you will really enjoy listening to um, the things that came up in our interview. So enjoy, and you'll be hearing another interview from us next Monday, if you want to, or next Tuesday. If you want to catch us live, we will be going live on Monday afternoon next week. All right, enjoy. Hello and welcome to today's live. Today I'm going to be talking with Tailoring Gratitude, also here on Instagram. We are doing a series and we're going to be talking about thriving with CKD. And today's topic is going to be on finding your purpose with CKD. So, oh, hello. I already have some first people hopping on. I see you're here, Tailoring Gratitude. So go ahead and ask to join and I will bring you up. Hello. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Maggie Duckham. Duckham, I said that wrong. Rodney's kidney journey. Oh my goodness. Okay, here we go. Here she comes. All right. How's it going, Tracy? How you doing? Hello. Move my lighting around a little. (laughs) I know I turned my light off because it reflects in my glasses. It's just, I feel like there's no way to get around it. Yeah, these spectacles tell on us every single time. (laughs) All right. Hello. We've got some more people joining in. My goodness. So fun. So, all right. What would you like me to call you on this? Because your name is Taylor in Gratitude. But Taylor, I found out, is your last name. It is. And my name is actually Quinn Taylor. So you can call me Quinn. It's fine. Perfect. Quinn. Okay. And I'm Shelby for Quinn's audience. Yes. And yeah. How's it going today? How are you doing? I am doing well. I don't think I've actually shared this with my audience, um, but I've been in recovery for a couple of weeks. Um, I fell. <laughs> to put it simply, I fell. Um, but it wasn't a typical fall. Um, I kind of hit my head and had a little touch, and then I, I kind of hurt my rotator cuff. So, um, yeah, I've been on. So you've been through it. 
yes, but I am here, I am present, and I am ready to help those or speak to whoever needs to hear what we have to say today. Oh, I love that so much. And I think that this is just one of those times, especially where we just show up. Like you, Quinn is showing you. Sometimes yeah. it's hard, sometimes it sucks, but we know where our priorities are and our priorities are always helping other people. Yes. Yeah. So always, and taking care of ourselves too along the way. I'm not saying put other people ahead of yourself, not saying that, but you get me. So um, Quinn, can you tell us a little bit about your story with CKD? Cause we're starting out this series. So I thought we'd do a little introductions. Sure. So my experience with CKD, um, as I like to say, the long, short version or the short, long version of the story is um, I was a sophomore in college. I was going to, I was at um, Iowa State University, go Cyclones, um, <laughs> and my body just freaked out. Um, I was having constant fatigue. I was sleep all day, supposed to be in class, but, you know, we We'll let that pass. Um, <laughs> I had scabs over my legs um, from where my skin was tearing um, because oh. it was um, just all these freaking things were um, happening and it wasn't normal. So um, I ended up coming back home um, spring semester and went to the doctor for something completely unrelated. They did my um, blood work. And when they saw my blood work, I got a phone call at five o'clock in the evening, and I always say this was the defining of my life, one of the defining moments, because they said uh, to go to the emergency room now, your kidneys are failing. And I'm like, what? Who? Um, so what they didn't know is dialysis had always been a part of my life, because my dad had been on dialysis since before I was born. Um, so I knew about it, but it's a difference being like a care um a caregiver, family member, support person, and then suddenly you turn to the patient. Um, believe me, it's very different. Yeah. I went through, um, I finished undergrad. I came back home to Chicago, finished undergrad. That's um, incredible. Yeah, I was working full-time as a social worker. I was in grad school full-time, getting my master's in clinical professional psychology. And, um, you know, as I always say, you can plan the life that you want, um, but God has this sense of humor. <laughs> that right? <laughs> At that point, I wanted to change the world as this world-famous psychologist and have the husband, the two and, ki two and a half kids, the white fence and the puppy and all of that. <laughs> but he said, no, that's not what I, what I want you to do, right? Mm -hmm. so, over the next two years, it was like September of 2008 when um, my kidneys just began declining rapidly. So they said, it's time to get you ready for dialysis. Yeah. Um, so I spent 2009 getting ready for dialysis. I always tell people I don't really remember 2009 because it was in and out of surgeries. Um, January 18th of 2010, I started in center homo, homo. <laughs> it's in the place. <laughs> um, in center hemo. Yes. You know, hemodialysis. I was there for six years, just shy of six years. Um, November 5th wow. of 2015, I got a life-saving kidney transplant um, after, you know, 
I mean, several barriers to getting transplanted, such as losing weight, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just waiting on the list itself, you know. And um, I went back to work. I got transplanted November 5th, went back to work January 4th. <laughs> um, oh, that's so soon. Yeah. Um, and um, in that time, I, while I was uh, on dialysis, I discovered this space of patient advocacy. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it was one of the best things I ever found. And I went, you know, from being this psych nerd, you know, to to really just being more focused on advocating for people. I have a house big enough to talk for everybody. So why not speak up for those who haven't found their voice yet? So, Ooh, I like that a lot. Yeah, so. Because, um, yeah. I mean, the people that are watching, especially, I just think about, like, how how was it for you guys? Were you able to just like speak up immediately or was it like, was it hard for you? Because I know for me, I it took me a while to find my voice. It took me a while to stand up and say, no, I need this or I need that. So you can leave it in the comments. Um, it like how you guys were when you first um, were diagnosed too. Because I see there's quite a few renal people in the chat. So keep, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just was oh, wondering no. about that for people watching too. Yeah, no, and I think part of being empowered was because I had spent so many years being a social worker. So I got insight about certain things. I definitely knew about patient rights. And Mm -hmm. I would see things on the floor. I would be like, "Mm, that's not right. (laughs) (laughs) Say anything because patients are terrified to speak up because of retaliation. Um, And that's you're there and these people have your lives literally they have your life in their hand mm-hmm. and unfortunately everybody doesn't carry the same um values and morals and um you know if that person feels like you are getting them in trouble whether it's for your benefit or not um they will do some very uh unthinkable things to to retaliate against you um, lucky for me, I felt like I um, familiar familiar enough with the healthcare system and how things worked to mm-hmm. speak up and you know not fear retaliation. But I did get retaliated against by quite a few people. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't enough to stop me though. So. <laughs> I knew there was a reason I liked you. <laughs> So awesome. So you got your transplant in 2018. Is that what you said? 2015. 2015. Okay. And how has your journey been since having the transplant health-wise? Health-wise, it's been good. Um, I think the thing I always want to stress to people with chronic kidney disease is that um, transplant is not a cure. It's uh, another way of getting dialysis. It's the in my opinion, one of the best, if not the best way to get dialysis. Um, It does come with its own set of, um, you know, things. (laughs) Yes. We call them things. Um, (laughs) You know, you're taking pretty heavy medication, so your body is trying to always adjust to that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a different set of things you have to manage and focus, process through when you get... um, transplanted for me i feel like i've been extremely blessed um i've had a 
compared to some of the stories I've heard. I've had a very smooth run with my kidney. My kidney has been awesome. It started working right there on the operating table. It's amazing. Um, I've never come close to, you know, rejection. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just always served me the way that, you know, I always prayed that it would. So, Mm -hmm. um, and you other ups and downs. Look, once you feel well and um, you get prednisoned, as I say, I know, right? Food gets really delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Any kind of food gets really delicious, mm-hmm. and so you know, you just have to watch things like weight management and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, you know, find my way around that. But I certainly cannot complain um, for the life this kidney has given me. Oh, it's so incredible. I know that um, that people talk about how long kidneys last, like after they're transplanted. Is that anything that you think about? I know it's not quite on our topic yet, but I just was curious about that for you. Oh, no, I think about it every day. Something a lot of people don't like to talk about. I think about rejection every day. Um, mm-hmm. And I know it's not healthy, but it's honest. Um, every day I think in my head, you know, what if, what if, um, they say they never guarantee anything because of course that would set them up, you know? Um, but I've been encouraged, especially, and that's why I always encourage people to be a part of community, right? Because that yes. was so many people and they've had their kids for 20 years, 30 years. I met a lady, she had cancer, went through, went through chemo, mm-hmm. all of the stuff. She was like in a coma for months. Wow. It needs sustained throughout it all. Wow, that's incredible. So, uh, I, that's but, been something really helpful for me is getting on some of those Facebook groups and people are like, I'm celebrating 20 years. I'm celebrating 30, 40 years. I'm like, let's do that. I like that. <laughs> I always say, God, the same God that does it for them is going to do it for me. So um, I'm young, I'm healthy. So um, I'm going to claim this kidney to work for a very, very long time. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to say, um, I'm, I hope I say your name right. Viata Dupa Transplant Renal said, I was a med student at the time of the diagnosis. So the doctors see me, see, saw me as a colleague. So the discussions were easy. That's nice. That is. <laughs> I, it's funny. My my background um, before coming into life coaching was a speech language pathologist. And so I worked in the hospital. I actually worked with people on um, ventilators and with trachs that were on dialysis. So I was doing that when I was like 21 years old, 20, uh, maybe 22. It's like 22 years old. And it was just so funny because I came into like kidney, like having my diagnosis and I knew the medical jargon. (laughs) So people are like, what do you do? Are you a nurse? I'm like, no, speech therapist. But I think that there's something to be said about being comfortable with the medical jargon. I feel like that people do, like medical professionals do take you a little bit more seriously when you're familiar with that jargon, Mm -hmm. which is challenging because not everybody has that skill set. No, they don't. And I always say, um, I know that when I go in, I get the care that I deserve because most doctors know that I know what I'm talking about and I know what they're talking about. Yes. Uh, 
you know, when I go in and they say hello, and then we have a conversation and they see that they're having a conversation, like the young lady said, almost like a peer instead of a patient doctor. Yes. yes. Um, it really does. It can change the quality of care that you receive. And it's, I'm thankful for it, <laughs> but it's so um, disheartening for those who are new in this journey and don't have that type of experience. The expertise. So that's why I always encourage patients, do research, learn as much as you can about your disease, whether it's CKD, if it's a rare disease in CKD or any disease, please do research about it because um, you'll find that you'll learn a lot of things about your disease that your doctor might not talk to you about. Yeah. Um, and you can also find treatments and things like that, that they don't necessarily know about or want to talk to you about but that gives you the opportunity to put it out there on the table and let them know hey, I and I know what can be helped uh how it can be helped so let's have a real conversation so oh, it's so true education <laughs> yeah because when I got diagnosed they told me that I had thin thin membrane basement nephropathy which is not what I had I had Alport syndrome but I didn't even figure that out till I went to a Facebook group and somebody told me and I was able to go to the Cleveland Clinic and get some more answers I still go to the to nephrologists and most of them have said they're like I've seen like two of these cases in my entire career and these are like the transplant centers too so it is really important to know about your specific medical history and it really is empowering so let me ask you a question Quinn so today we were going to talk about finding purpose in CKD and we've like danced around the topic I feel like but like for you like how do you think that you have found purpose with CKD um this was going to sound weird to some people but I think the CKD led to my purpose um mm. and when I say that if it had been for CKD I wouldn't know that I was purposed to advocate for other people. Um, I, like I said, I wanted to be a psychologist, you know, um, and th even that's been helpful in the helpful for me in this space because when you talk to patients, you know, it kind of gives you that way to connect with them, mm -hmm. um, which is still for me a part of purpose. So um, truly, I found my purpose through this. What was supposed, what people think is bad or a negative thing has actually turned to, out to be one of the best things that ever happened to me. Um, and people always look like, is she weird? Like, is she? <laughs> no, I would. I don't think anyone wakes up or any child grows up saying, I want kidney disease. Right. <laughs> or especially when you find out, like for me, um, it's genetic. Like I was living my best life and this just happened to me. Um, and I couldn't, as I say, get in my feelings about it. Um, well, let me rephrase that. Initially, I did because I was in my early 20s. Yeah, of <laughs> course. Like, how time. can you not? <laughs> <laughs> That's just real selfish time in life, right? Um, but I couldn't stay there because I saw so much. Um, yeah, I just saw so much opportunity to change and some of it was just God change you know um, like I said I expected to have my life a certain way and it didn't turn out that way and I had to grieve it and I grieved 
um, the life that I planned for myself versus the life that was purposed for me. Um, but once I figured out my purpose, it helped me to let it go because I have something greater to do. Um, okay. Not about me. I think that's one of the greatest things you can do in purpose. When you find purpose, you learn that it's not about you. Um, and it teaches you a lot about being selfless. And it teaches you a lot about being kind. And it teaches you a lot about life. Yeah. And I just, just to go back to that part where you were talking about how you grieved, I think that it's we, you and I, I feel like are kind of on the other side of a, a lot of the obstacles and challenges. Not saying that life, I mean, you just are experiencing the healing from a fall. So I'm not saying like it's over, but to hear somebody say that's gone through something so challenging, like what you've gone through and to say, this is the best thing that happened to me. Like that is just, it, what would you say to somebody that's going through something really challenging right now that doesn't feel that way right now? Um, I would encourage them to feel their feelings because their feelings are bad. And to let them know that it's a process, it's a journey. Um, you don't just wake up one day and say, I accept all of this that has happened to me and I am at peace with it. It's a process, it's a journey. And it's not, not always an upward battle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. um, but you just got to keep going forward. You have to keep forward. You have to keep walk. You have to have the courage, I say, to keep going forward in the journey. And as you keep going forward, things will happen that'll show you um, it's not it's not the end of life. Like people get diagnosed and they think their life is over. Right. And all of that. And I always tell people dialysis um, isn't. The, it's not going to kill you. It keeps yeah. you. Alive. Is it wonderful? I mean, it's wonderful. It keeps me alive, but the 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 um, experience of it. I mean, it is definitely uh, an acquired taste. But well, and and you come from a different perspective of watching your dad be on dialysis your entire life. How many years was he on dialysis for? Oh, um, before I was born. So he had started dialysis a year or two before I was born. So I tell people that was all I knew growing up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you're in grammar school to sort of date myself, they would teach you about gender roles and the mommy stayed home and she did the cooking and cleaning and the dad went to work and he came in, you know, that type of thing. And I would raise my hand. I said, no, the mommy goes to work <laughs> and the mm -hmm. dad dialysis. And then my parents had to have a talk with me to let me know that my life was a lot different than the other kids in my classroom. Um, but it was great. I, it was great because I got to see a different house, you know, or a different experience that was me. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Oh, I love that so much. And, you know, I just think about, too, if I, I was diagnosed when I was 31. I had three kiddos. One was one at the time. And, you know, we got labs back and I was trying to figure out, like, what's going on. And um, I knew there was something going on with my kidneys, but we didn't know what. And so the doctors at one point called me back and said, Hey, get down here like right away. And I was like, they're going to tell me I have like two months to live or something. Like my brain just went crazy. Right. And when I, I remember being on the drive there with my husband and holding his hand 
And as I was, as we were driving there, I was just having like all of these flashbacks of everything that had happened in my life so far. And I could honestly say at that moment, I was like, I don't regret a single thing that I've done. And it was really powerful for me because I think that, I think that people go through that point sometimes. And sometimes it isn't that sometimes you're like, Oh crap. Like I need to like do some other stuff. And that wasn't to say that I didn't want to live, but I really felt like I came to peace Mm -hmm. with that part of me. And if I was called home, I was going to be okay with it. I didn't want to, but I could be at peace with it. And I feel like that point on really helped me to see that how life, how precious life is. Yes. And um, the other part of getting through all of this was gratitude for me. Exactly. And um, people always say, well, how did, you know, kidney disease teach you to be grateful? It taught me a lesson. You don't wait for it to lose things to be grateful for them. Oh, yes. For them in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, it took me losing my kidney function to be grateful for simple things. Right. A cup of ice water. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I couldn't do that anymore, you know, because I had to measure my fluids. It was what, 32 ounces of fluid a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that, I was like, I'm not going to take things for granted anymore. I'm going to be grateful for everything I can do. Everything I can either wallow in what I can't do, I can wallow in what I can't eat, you know, all of these things, or I can be grateful for what I can eat, and grateful that I can actually eat, um, and all of these things. So that was an important co- component of it. So um, I just always encourage people: don't wait, even people in your life, you know, mm-hmm. don't wait till you lose things to become grateful for them, and. Hopefully, we can all get to that place like you experienced, Shelby. Um, If today was the day I was called home, would I be at peace with it? I can say, yeah, I would be at peace with it, you know, um, because I've done so many great things in this world. I have showed the goodness of God to so many people in this world. Um, I've helped people. And that's what I can really do. You know, that's, that's what I've... Um, I've surrendered to doing it in my life and I've done it and I'm doing it and so like as long as you're inside God's perfect will and doing that I just think you can't be unsettled about it um, yes and it's it's so funny I was just doing a, I was just getting coached by my life coach today and something that really came up for me was that I was born on purpose with a purpose yes and I don't think that purpose is something Sometimes people are like, I just want to find my purpose. But I think that there's a difference between that and living with purpose. And each day, like you were talking about, like stepping out, like one step in front of the other, moving forward, that sometimes is the purpose. And it's like the lessons are going to come along the way, but it's really important to just start walking into that path and trusting that the purpose is going to reveal itself. Yes, and I think sometimes we're in such a hurry. We always want things. We're a, uh, we're a generation or we're the start of generations that like um, instant gratification, right? Mm-hmm. I receive, and that's not how life works. Um, sometimes it takes a while. You have to go through some things um, to get to that purpose. 
you know um and i always feel like in those times it's giving you the tools and growing you and maturing you and things for you to live the purpose but you can't just jump into it sometimes sometimes you know it's got it there's got to be some self-work there yeah, um, Kirstianne Photography says, I find it so very hard to see the purpose sometimes. Let me just like open up all the space for that because it's true. Like sometimes it does feel that way. You know, sometimes it feels like you can't find the hope in the situation, mm -hmm. the purpose. Um, but I always say it's okay to feel that way because yeah. of feelings. And if on this Monday, <laughs> be the purpose of it that's fine but if you keep moving and as you keep moving um your perspective of things changes i like absolutely to your perspective changes and so what you once saw as harm um you know at some point you might see as good or helpful um it's it's interesting people always ask me did i go through the why why did this happen to me? Like, God, why did you do this to me? And um, I always say confidently, I never ask why this happened to me. Why not me? That's exactly what I said, too. Yeah, like, why not? Because I was just like, what would make me special that something like this wouldn't happen to me? Like, I, I think that it should happen to other people. Like, I'm just a regular person. Of course, this could happen to me. It's yeah. not anything that I did wrong. It's not that anything that anybody did wrong it just oh. happened. And I, I don't think that things happen to teach us a lesson, but I think that we can find our purpose no matter what happens. And that's what I was going to say, you know, um, why not me? Why not give me these circumstances? Because yeah. if it, like I said, if it never happened, I would have never found the purpose or my purpose. And so, um, I can't get angry about it. And it would be so frustrating. <laughs> and this is me being judgy. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I would be, see patients be so angry. This happened to them. And like a lot of times they had like diabetes or high blood pressure. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> like, I was living my best good young life. <laughs> and it just happened to me. I can deal with it. Do you know what I mean? And I can. Yeah. I pray that you find that same thing. Um, because if I could be real bitter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, real. it's funny, too, because I'll take my clients through where they like have a lot of anger. And I experience this, too. Like, I'll be really angry about something. And usually the question that happens for me is, like, there's something here to be sad about. Like, what is there to be sad about? Like, what am I grieving? And so, like, letting myself feel the anger but then like soften into the grieving and then it opens up space for the perspective change. Yes. Yes. You have to grieve it. Um, mm -hmm. You have to feel it. That's why I say feel it. Those are your feelings. They're valid. Yeah. There's no timeline on it either. Mm -hmm. It might take you a year to get into a better place with it. I've known people it's taking them years to accept your journey is yours. And it's made for you. So um, my prayer that you find that you go through the journey that's most beneficial for you. And that on the other side of it, that you um, come to a place of acceptance. And um, 
Yeah. And, and I will say, I even, I started this Instagram account a long time ago, like back in, well, I don't know, like 2016 or something. Like I've been on Instagram forever, <laughs> but, um, I, I, it started out with like food stuff. I was like always taking pictures of food and I was like, I should just have a separate account for that. And then I was diagnosed with kidney failure and I, then I, in 2017, in 2016, I got pregnant while I was in kidney failure. Mm -hmm. And I was looking around, like, who else is experiencing this? Like, I just want to know, like, does it work out in the end? And my son's walking through. <laughs> um, and so I was like, there's nobody out here, like telling there's, there's no studies, there's nothing about this. And so I was like, I guess it's me. Like, I guess I'm the one. Yeah. I guess I'm the one to tell people hey, this sucks and it's hard and it's possible. And so maybe if you're not finding your purpose, like maybe it's time for you to be the one. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. yeah. um, sometimes you just have to be the one. A lot of people suffer in silence. Yeah. They don't talk about it. They don't want to share. They have fear of being judged, fear of being um, bullied, all mm -hmm. kinds of telling that. Yeah, I like if you go back like so far on this account, like I never posted pictures of myself. I was like, nobody like needs to see me. And now it's like only pictures of me. And that's <laughs> not because I'm like self-absorbed or anything because I'm like, I don't like putting stuff out there of me. Yes. But I know it serves a higher purpose and it helps somebody to be seen and it helps somebody to be able to get help and to be able to process everything that's happened to them. Because it's what I had to do. It's actually funny you say because I always say the way I knew this was my purpose. Um, your purpose puts you in places. Ooh. You know, I'm such a, I don't like attention person. I love to be the best. <laughs> like, even in work, you know, I do things. Um, but I'm in the background. You know what I'm saying? Like, you mm -hmm. never know. I'm really fine there. All of the pictures you see on my Instagram, I have to. <laughs> those because it just isn't my thing yep. found that god putting me in the front mm -hmm. i kept getting pushed in the front and i was like no i don't want to let me I know i know and again that's when i figured out it wasn't about me it was about helping other people and so my thing was if it's to help someone else i'll step out of my comfort zone yes to do it if it's going to help other people um, cause if it was up to me, there would be no <laughs> Instagram account, right? <laughs> um, but it's not about me. And so I, I, I willingly step out of my comfort zone, um, to talk about these experiences. And I, the other thing I always like to share with people, like these are experiences you're hearing, but, uh, these stories I'm telling you are my life and things that I've really lived through. And so sometimes to be that vulnerable, to relive those things to, in order to share it, um, is, mm -hmm. is, is, is quite a notion. Um, but it's necessary sometimes. Because like you said, I don't see people, I don't look on the internet and see all these stories or people that look like me or they've been through what I've been through. So um, maybe mm -hmm. it's, I'm supposed to be the one to tell this story to kind of ignite this this movement or this um, people finding the courage to speak up more. Um, so, yeah, but no, I, I always, love that. 
your purpose pushes you in places that are not comfortable. Yes, I I so feel you on that. And Kirstian, she says that there's me using my photography and self-portrait to show a journey. See, why are you hiding your purpose from yourself? Hold on a second. <laughs> see, I need to see this. I need to see it. You oh, know. she's got a great account. Yeah, you'll have to follow her afterwards. Yes, I would love to see it. And I just think it's so beautiful, the different way um, share that story. Like me, I talk a lot. Um, so I'll talk all day. But I know, we better wrap up. But it was so amazing to have you. And we're going to do this again next week, guys. So yeah. we'll have a new topic for you. So be looking on the Instagram feeds and we'll let you know what we're doing. Thanks so much for joining us, Quinn. Oh, thank you for having me. You have a wonderful, wonderful community. I'm so glad that we get to, you know, work together. Me She's too. <laughs> with her. All right. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you're looking for a life coach to work with, what are you waiting for? Let's get coaching together today. I hope you have a wonderful week as you take your power back on creating beauty wherever you go.